Back to throw. In trouble. He's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs. Gets away again. Goes to the 40. Gets away again. To the 35. Cuts back at the 30. To the 20. The 15. The 10. He dies. Touchdown. 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast on the air. I'm Al Sacco. He's Zane Nakvi. 49ers with just a huge, huge victory. Getting to 8-6 and six came out, I thought, really dominated the game. It was a game they had to have against the Falcons team, who isn't very good, but was still right behind them in the standings. And the Niners, Zane, came out and they took care of business. So last week, you know, when you went here, uh, Brian and I, also shout out to Brian Reddick for, for jumping in here and, and uh, being the the uh, guest co-host while you were gone, Al, but Brian and I talked about this and we were talking about this possibly being like, I don't know if it was a trap game because the Falcons aren't like a terrible team, but we were talking about an emotional letdown because similar to 2019, where they came off of that Saints game, that was a huge emotional victory for so many reasons. The next week they kind of struggled against Atlanta and they blew a lead in the fourth quarter and they ended up losing the game. And this one kind of started out very similarly, right? Like Jermichael Hasty, who... I, you know, I've been kind of critical of him for weeks, right? Like with, with the, his lack of production and just, you know, he's just not bringing anything. Fumbles the opening kickoff and right away Atlanta's in the red zone and right away your your defense is on the field and they come up with just a fantastic fourth down stop to change the tone of that game right away, right off the bat. And we will get into the defense and how good they were in, in a little bit, but Al, like it was, a, it was a win that they needed to have for for playoff implications because now as we go over playoff scenarios later in, in the show, they've set themselves up very nicely to a point where they're almost assured at least the seventh spot if they can take care of their own business. So I think for that and many more reasons, like this was such a huge game that they had to have. It was one of the last two home games at home or last two games at home. Uh, and obviously the second one being the Texans coming in a couple of weeks, but like they had to have this one and they came out and they definitively won this game. Yeah, when you really look at this game, I mean, the score was close. It was 10-10 and then 17-10. It was closer than it should have been. And then Nick Bosa makes mm-hmm. another another game-changing play. The Niners get the fumble and, and the rest is history. But Atlanta never felt like they were in this game to me. No. It was just the Niners made two mistakes on special teams. And then there was the ridiculous roughing the passer call. And I'm going to say my piece about the refs today. But they were never really in the game. I mean, the Niners dominated this game. And it really got me thinking, Zane, like, We've talked a lot on the show, if you listen to the show frequently, about how Kyle Shanahan, I, I think, took a look in the mirror and said, look, I'm, I, the team is, is not jiving. Everything's discombobulated. I need to put Trey Lance on the back burner until next season, roll with Jimmy, and get everybody unified. And I think that's what helped change the season around. But mm-hmm. looking at this game, I'm looking at it and just looking at the Niners, and I'm like, they are so much more talented than the Falcons are. And the way this team is built, you just have elite blue chip dudes, Kittle, Debo, Trent Williams, Fred Warner, Nick Bosa. These are legitimate guys. Some of those guys are going to be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, legitimate guys. They are just this loaded team. And I just got thinking about the past, whatever it's been, almost a year now, sort of about how everybody's been thinking about the team. And I'm going to raise my hand and say, I was at the forefront of this and I was wrong. I was really wrong. And I think a lot of the fan base was wrong. And I think the media was wrong. And I think Kyle Shanahan was wrong. I think we were all wrong. And then I think six weeks ago or whatever it was, everything has changed around. What do I mean by that? The NFL is a QB-driven league, right? Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, you know, these Russell Wilson, these guys who are kind of the team is built around. The Bucks are stacked, but you know what I mean? Most of these teams were the, mm-hmm. were the quarterback 
is the machine, right? They're built around mm-hmm. the, that QB. It's only like maybe eight-ish teams in the league that are like that. A lot of other teams aren't like that. The 49ers are not one of those teams. The 49ers are built, other than their special teams, <laughs> an offensive defense with, a, like I said, a lot of blue chip players, good balance with George Kittle making a play this week and Debo Samuel making a play this week and Nick Bosa and, and guys making plays. But in the offseason and in preseason and in the beginning of this year, we made it all about quarterback position, right? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that that was unfair. Now, Jimmy is a very, very important cog in this machine, right? But he's just a cog in this machine. He is not the machine. He's not Josh Allen who kind of puts the team on his back. He does what he's asked to do within the system, and that's fine. But when the 49ers became a winning team and started to look like they, they may have a chance to make some noise in January and beyond is when sort of the quarterback became a caretaker of the offense, handed the ball off, got the ball in the hands of his playmakers, made big throws when they needed him to, cut down on the mistakes, but was just a cog, just a cog, just, just, just one of the other players. The Niners are not built around him. And I think when that was sort of embraced, they became a better team. They're a running team that plays defense. Coming into tonight, we're recording this on a Monday. Right now, the Niners are 28th in the league in pass attempts. And in 2019, they were 29th. And that's not a knock. They're just not a team that throws the ball all over the place. They're not a team who asked their, who asked their quarterback to do more than really make a few clutch throws and take care of the ball. That's all Kyle is really asking his QB to do. But we made it all about the quarterback. And, oh, the quarterback. And it's not going to – all we needed the QB to do was – few big throws, take care of the ball. And he's doing that. And he's doing that right now. And the team is responding and everybody's playing, playing well around him. And, and he does deserve credit. And I know you, you have some things to say about this, but I just think we just looked at it. And there was so much discussion about this one position. And it is a quarterback position. and It is important. But the Niners aren't built that way. It's not like they're a crappy team and, and they need, again, you take Russell Wilson out of the Seahawks and you're like, oh my God, there's nothing there. If the Niners have somebody serviceable, serviceable who doesn't turn the ball over at quarterback, and they did not last year, don't tell me Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins was not serviceable last year. Turned the ball over way too much. If the Niners mm-hmm. have a, a Teddy Bridgewater, right? They're still a playoff team. They're still a playoff team because they're that loaded. So that's just what I'm thinking with this whole thing. It's, it's not a knock on Jimmy. I just think what everyone kind of realized, and I think everybody, whether, whether they're doing it you know, subconsciously or not, everyone has kind of come to the realization, yeah, the Niners are just a really good team. This isn't really about Jimmy or Trey. It's about they're a really good team. They're well coached and they have talent everywhere. That's the Niners. It's not just a QB position. It's not Jimmy Garoppolo's Niners. He's not taking them places. Trey Lance isn't taking them places. This is just the 49er team with all these blue chip players coming in and just just kicking ass right now. Yeah, and I think that so if you remember, Al, back to those early New England Patriots teams, and I'm not comparing like Kyle to Bill Belichick or Jimmy to Braid or anything like that, but the concept of of a team and team football and complementary football with all three phases complementing each other again mm-hmm. special teams be the outlier which i mean can i go can i go a quick rant about special teams real quick i mean the first rant of the day i have to you know this this unit every single game this unit has some sort of major gaffe or turnover a missed kick giving a big a big return like every single game this team fails at some point in a, in a big moment and I, I don't know. Like, I really hope, I, I hope to death that they can get far enough out in front, like towards the end of the season. And, you know, hopefully when they make the playoffs, that special teams won't be a factor. But if it is, I think we should be very concerned because this is a unit that should not be trusted and cannot be trusted. They're easily the worst unit on the team. And 
the offense and defense are constantly having to make up for for the special team gaps. And it's and it's I mean Richard Hightower, I don't know if he's gonna get fired after the season, but man, he is his unit has been having just an awful go of it this year. So mm. um, you know, when we talk about people doing their job special teams, for the most part, they're doing their job, I would say, but those moments that they they screw up, they're big and they can't have that going down the stretch. So um that's my special teams rant for the day. Um do you want to spot, respond to that? Or should we just go straight into the quarterback? Go, stuff? Keep on what we were talking about. Yeah, we, we'll I'm sure right, we'll cool. get into right. more later. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, so here's the thing. I mean, Al, like you know, throughout Jimmy Garoppolo's tenure here, it's funny because now it's it's become so extreme in the fan base that you know people are are labeled this and that, uh, whether they support or just like Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think that like for you and I, for the most part, we've stayed like you know w- w- the criticism that we've given him is fair. Right. Like it's fair. Like I don't think we've I, either of us have unfairly criticized him. I don't think I've unfairly praised him for the things that he's done. But I think that now it's one of those things where he's such a polarizing player that whatever analysis people have of him and whatever statistics and stuff come out, that like people are gonna feel what, what they're gonna feel about him one way or the other. Right. Like nothing's gonna change that short of like a Super Bowl victory. And even then, you know, you could have the argument that like, oh, well, he didn't get them there. He didn't, you know, all that stuff starts over again. So mm-hmm. the the personal you know, views on Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm not really interested in. But what the, the fact is, is that he, there is no quarterback over the last eight weeks that has had uh, as successful as a run as Jimmy Garoppolo. And the statistics back that up. And uh, the play on the field backs that up. Uh, no quarterback has had a rating of 90 or more over the past eight weeks besides Jimmy Garoppolo. He's the only quarterback in the NFL. He has thrown only three interceptions in his last six games. This has probably been, I would say, Al, the best that we've ever seen him. I don't think we've ever seen him perform more efficiently, uh, perform better with the ball in terms of limiting turnovers, and be able to, I mean, there were moments in that Cincinnati game where, you know, he led two game-winning drives. Like, yeah, he almost threw a pick six, but I mean, hell, Joe Montana almost threw a game-losing interception in the Super Bowl against Cincinnati as well, right? Yeah, so proceeding to the John Taylor play. So it's like, these things will happen. But that being said, the idea that he is a cog in a wheel, like he he is given a role to play on Kaj Kanhan's team, and he is playing that role. And similar to those New England teams back when before Brady became the Brady that we know today, if you go back and go back to that time in that era of New England Patriots football, he was not carrying the team by any means. He was playing a role in that system, and he was playing it well. And although it's a different game now than it was back then, twenty years ago, or you know, fifteen twenty years ago. You can still win with your quarterback being a cog in the wheel, right? Like you can, you can win that way. And what Jimmy has been able to do is play his job so that everybody, when everybody else plays their job, the team functions very nicely. Like we've seen them function uh, in the past. And again, 20, you brought 2019. That was the best example. And I feel like that's what they look like now. They're running the football well. They are playing great defense. They're limiting their mistakes. They're creating turnovers on defense now. They weren't doing that either in the beginning of the season either. And they seem to be hitting their stride at the, at the right time. And as far as like the quarterback's contributions, you know, he's, he's helping. He's, he's a part of that too. Just like, you know, we give them crap for when they lose. He deserves credit for when they win as being a part of the reason why they're winning. Not the reason, but a part of the reason. And I think that I'm comfortable with saying that Jimmy's not a star quarterback. He's not going to be a superstar. Like he is going to be a solid starter. That's going to give you a chance to win. And you have to capitalize off of what he does best and limit his mistakes. 
And there's nothing wrong with that, Al. I don't think there's anything wrong with like labeling a guy like that. But, you know, as fans, people want to see the next Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen, you know, like a guy that can light up the scoreboard and light up the fantasy stats too, right? Because that's that's what's fun and that's what gets out there and that's what, you know, that's what people like, right? That's that's the perception that people have. But you know, like you said, the truth is there's only there's only a handful of guys like that in this league right now. And it's mm-hmm. always been like that. It's a quarterback-driven league. Because if it was, Al, if, if every team had a quarterback that was dynamic like that, then no teams would, like, we would see every team basically go 8-8 eight eight because everybody's beating everybody else, right? And that's just not mm-hmm. the case. So, yeah, like, I think that the assessment, your assessment of what the quarterback position is, is, is it's accurate, right? Like, he's, he's a reason that they're winning. He's not the reason. But the fact of the matter is, is that he has played very well over the last eight weeks. And I don't think that we've seen him play better. Honestly, I feel like this is, this is probably the best that we've seen him play. And for the 49ers and for Kyle Shanahan and for the fans that are hoping for a playoff berth, when you have a hot quarterback going into the playoffs, that is really, really hard to beat. And, and I hope that he can continue to play like this because honestly, Al, we've seen it. The Niners will go as far as Jimmy goes, right? When he doesn't play well, they lose. When he plays well, they, they tend to win. And, and again, one of the, one of the stats this year, uh, they're undefeated when he does not throw an interception. So, um, as he goes, they go. Yeah. And you mentioned those old Pat teams, a good example of what I'm talking about, two teams this year, the Pats of this year and the Colts. I mean, the Colts are built around Jonathan Taylor, that offensive line, Darius Leonard, DeForest Buckner. You just need Wentz to make, to make big throws when he, you know, when he needs to and take care of the ball, you know, convert some third downs and take care of the ball. And he. I think he's only got like six interceptions this year, but he's had some absolutely careless turnovers at horrible times. He was awful on Sunday, Saturday night, I thought. But same thing with the Patriots, Mac Jones. Like, they're not asking Mac Jones to do a ton. Mac Jones isn't out there throwing it 45 times a game. He's just taking mm-hmm. care of the ball. He's making some clutch throws, and the defense in the running game is – and that's fine. That's, that's, that's fine. And look, there's how many elite guys in the league? I don't know, eight spitballing, nine. I don't know how, however many you think are elite quarterbacks. Then there's like 10, 12 guys who are like Garoppolo. And that's fine. He's, he's, a, he's a pretty good quarterback in the league. And then the rest kind of suck or they're rookies. You don't know who they are. That's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, Jimmy's fine. Derek Carr, if he's got a good team around him, is fine. Kirk Cousins, if he has a good team around him, is fine. Matt Ryan's at the end of it now. You know, you know he's, I guess if he had a really good team around him, he'd, he'd be okay. You, you know, mm-hmm. there, there's, a, there's a ton of guys like that. Not everybody's Justin Herbert where you go out there and you're like, oh my God, you know, this, this guy. Look at, look at what he can do physically. Um, look at that ball he just threw. Or not everybody's Josh Allen, where, I don't know, you look at the game where they lost to Tampa Bay, where I thought he was phenomenal. I thought he put the team on his back. You know, there's a lot of games I watch the Bills, and I'm like, you know, Allen's not perfect. Nobody is. But I'm, you're like, wow, this guy's carrying this team. There aren't many guys like that. I think where people get frustrated with, Jim, with Jimmy Zane is, all right, so w- during the, the Bengals game, I'm never going to call anybody out by name, but there was somebody who covers the NFL. I don't even really know who they are. They had a lot of followers and a blue check mark. And they said, like, what it was the third quarter. And they're like, oh, Garoppolo's dealing right now. He was in no way dealing against the Bengals until the end of the mm-hmm. game. I mean, in no way. So I think where people get frustrated is, is, and I think it's a small percentage, but the people who just don't see reality and they're like, oh, he's awesome. Like this, that, and the other thing. He's, he's been playing really well lately. And he's, he's, he's a, a good QB in the league. He is, he is not a top tier elite guy. And one of the reasons the injuries, another reason why he's not going to be there next year is because you have to pay Nick Bosa. You have to pay Debo Samuel or Samuel. You're paying Warner. You're paying Kittle. You're paying Williams. You're paying Armstead. You're going to 
hey, all these cogs in the machine that you need, you kind of can't have a QB making $25, $30 million. So that's why you reset it with the rookie. And if if Lance becomes one of those QBs that can carry the team, great. If not, who knows? Maybe we're having the same discussion in three or four years. But the Niners have to keep those players. And Jimmy's not the type of QB that you're going to pay $35 million to when he needs a new contract because you, you it's going to handicap the team. Because for this team to win, you need the Bosa's, you need the Kittles, you need Samuels, and that's fine. They're built pr- pretty well right now. We'll see where the season ends up. But um, I think that's where the frustration is with people where they'll just be like, yeah, you know, Jimmy's doing okay. Like, yeah, okay, like, I'm with you. Let's go, Jimmy. And then they go on Twitter or they hear something and, and you're just like, what are you people talking about? He is not elite. He is not a great quarterback. He is not dealing right now. And I think that's where the frustration comes in. Yeah. And I think so, Al, I think that the, the thing that we should all remember is that Twitter likes to operate in extremes. Right. There's extremes on both ends. And like, I've never agreed with the the thought that, oh, Jimmy Garoppolo sucks or he's terrible or this or that. Right. I've also never really thought that he's like, you know, a top five quarterback. Right. Like, I've never thought that of him. And I think that like, I, I kind of ignore both sides of it. Um, and it's it's banter, really. It's it's because it's like it's, it's disappointing when it comes from like people with like blue check marks and stuff like that or people who like, you know, content creators that cover the team that should that should know better one way or the other. But I think that when it comes down to it, the truth of this all is that he is neither of those things. He's, he doesn't suck and he's not terrible, but he's also not a superstar quarterback. And I think that people have been trying this entire time to pigeonhole him into either group. And, and it becomes an exercise of people trying to convince other people of that thing. Like, hey, you know, I believe this. So, and I'm going to convince you with whatever, you know, all 22 or metrics or statistics or whatever it may be. To, to share in my viewpoint. And I think that, you know, a lot of people are kind of in the same boat where there's like, they don't think he's either. They just, they're, they're okay with him, but they get frustrated with him. So I think that really like what we're talking about is, is a minority. It's not from, from both groups, like people that hate him and people that absolutely like, you know, would die for him. They're, they're the minority. Most people, there's a large middle ground, Al, like in between, there's a large middle ground in between there. And I think that like most people will fall under there. So I think, again, you know, we're kind of splitting hairs here because, you know, he's been playing well and they've been winning and I really don't care who gets the credit. Like if he threw, if he had a, a Mac Jones type of game where he throws three passes and still wins the game, I really don't care, right? Like, because my, my loyalty is to the team. It does not to any one player. And as far as Trey goes, like, you know, we don't really know what Trey can do. And I think, again, operate, people operating in streams saying, oh, Trey can run this offense or Trey can do that. Well, we don't know what he can do because nobody's seen him play. We don't know what his limitations are. We don't know what his strengths are. So I think that a lot of the expectations next year when or whenever Trey takes the job, it's going to we're going to have to temper those and be like, all right, like he's going to he's going to learn and we're going to have to learn him as well and and adjust our own expectations. Like we can't just bang our heads against the wall and be like, all right, Trey's the solution. He's going to be an MVP in two years. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, You mentioned Justin Herbert and he's he's an interesting he's an interesting case study because he started over 40 games in college. Right, he's a four-year starter, and I think uh, you know we can talk about the Pac-12 and a week a week conference and all this stuff. But having that experience matters, and I think that you know with when we when we look at Trey and what he can do, he, he doesn't have that that level of experience behind him, so he's not going to be as polished. And I and I really hope that people understand that and are patient with him when they when they say things like, "Oh, you know, like he can do whatever X Y Z quarterback is doing." Well, you don't know if he can do that because you've never seen him do that. We're just, we're just making assumptions. So anyways, it's, it's a long and complicated topic. We can, we can save that part of it till the off season, but hopefully 
the offseason will not be starting very quickly, Al. Hopefully it will be an extended playoff run for the 49ers. But am I right? Yes. Yes. And what, we'll hit on that. You did say one more thing, though, that I thought was a good point, And I, I think it's where some of my frustration lies. You mentioned that it's not about one player. And I, I think that's where I started to get frustrated. Again, I was guilty of it, too. I talked a lot about quarterback position. A lot. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Was guilty of it, too. And I think where I ended up getting frustrated, if you notice, I, even, again, whether you follow me on Twitter or listen to the show, I backed off it a, a lot. Because where I felt with this team was, and I said this, their window is open now with this core mm-hmm. group. With Samuel, with Ayuk, with with Williams, with Kittle, with Warner, with Bosa, even J- Jimmy Ward and Tart were you know really good players. The window's open now, and I thought it was so important for them to take advantage of it because you have they have this amazing core. It is it, go look at other teams and look at who the Niners have. The Niners mm-hmm. have some great great players on their team. I mean, people would kill to have some of these guys on their team, and even their running backs, are just really underrated guys who are perfect for the system, like Jeff Williams, Elijah Mitchell. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's where I get frustrated because I look at this team and I'm like, it's not about the quarterback. Look at this great team that, that is around the quarterback. They just need somebody to go in there and run the offense because they have so much. And I, I think, again, I, these other guys, and I think we're starting to see it now. We're starting to talk about George Kittle again. That feels great, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking about Nick Bosa and everything that he's doing. We've been talking about Debo all season. That feels good to me. We're talking about the 49ers again. It's not San Francisco Garoppolo and Lances anymore feel like we're talking about San Francisco 49ers. That feels good to me. And you mentioned Jimmy in his last year too. And when people start saying, oh, they might keep him this and the other thing. Alex Smith in his last season with Kansas City had the best freaking year of his career. 68% mm-hmm. completion, 4,000 yards, 26 TDs, five, five interceptions. You know what I mean? Like he had a great year too. I don't know if they were talking about that, that he was going to come back in Kansas City. Who knows? But let's talk about reality with this stuff. You know what I mean? But anyway, I'm just happy we're talking about the 49ers again. And you mentioned the playoff saying, and yeah, one of the reasons this turnaround has happened and they've gotten into the playoff contention is a group that's taken a lot, a lot of slack. We always want to blame the offensive line for things. Their pass protection has been outstanding. Garoppolo's only been pressured on 18.8% of his dropbacks, which is fifth best in the league. And he's only been hurried 21 times, um, which is the third fewest for any QB with at least 10 starts. So he's been able to really sit back in the pocket and throw the football. And, you know, he's not a super mobile guy. So any quarterback who's not super mobile is going to need time like that. And when he's gotten it, he's, he's done well. And that offensive line deserves a lot of credit. Trent Williams, who I saw, showed you what a joke the Pro Bowl is. He was like eighth in Pro Bowl voting or something ridiculous. Trent Williams may, mm-hmm. have been the, may be the best player in the league this year. He's been that good. He's been up there at his position. Um, he's been fantastic. Lakin Tomlinson is just a rock. I don't think he's given up a sack this season. Alex Mack, he's not the Alex Mack of years ago, but he's, he's been a steady presence on the inside of the there at center front skill has been up and down and look i'm not saying tom compton's the best right tackle in in, in the world but he hasn't hurt them <laughs> you know what i mean and, and even look at the niners in 2019 when you talk about the whole team zane they lost both of their tackles in 2019 and didn't skip a beat they're actually undefeated with mcglitchy and staley out so it goes to show you you know the pieces coming in and again that them just being a whole team and that offensive line is a big reason why they're in this playoff push right now yeah i think the other the other thing is that I will counter your point and say that, man, in the fourth quarter, specifically against Cincinnati, like Bronskill and, and Compton struggled mightily. They were, they were, yeah, really they've had, but yes, yes. They've, they've had, had really moments, bad moments. I, yeah. I think, I think what's happened is that as you, when you have injuries, when you have new players kind of sh- shuffling in and out of the lineup, as a head coach, you have to decide, like, all right, what's, what are their strengths and weaknesses and, and what, how am I going to tailor the scheme to be able to minimize their weaknesses and, and, and kind of accentuate their strengths? 
And it takes time to be able to do that because you have to see them and actually see them play and see live reps and all these things, right? And I think that it took time for Kyle to figure out, like, you know, after McGlinchey went down, like, all right, well, how, what are we going to do? And I think that, like, coupled with the, what you said earlier about limiting the quarterback's opportunities to throw, they also limited the offensive line's opportunities to pass block, which at the right side of the line, they're not very good at at all. Like, mm. Tom Compton is, is bottom of the league. He's, he's last in the league among eligible tackles in pass blocking. And Brunskill is fifth to last, right? So those guys, and, and, and run blocking, they're both top 10 which is the crazy thing, right? Both top 10 and run blocking for their positions. So I think that when it comes down to it, they found a balance that works for their team and it works for the group uh, and their strengths and weaknesses. And run blocking is one of the things that they do really well. It's one of the things Kyle Shannon teams have done, always done well. And they've started to do that. And running behind Trent Williams more, moving, pulling him, moving around the line, like on the use check play, they had him down block and it was just a really, he pancaked a guy, things like that. Like they're starting to kind of show more. And I think that Kyle's really, he, we talked about, he, he wasn't able to get into a rhythm early in the season. He mentioned that himself. And I think part of it was that he didn't understand the strengths and weaknesses of this, this group as a unit together playing cohesively. And now he understands that very well because he's had them for you know X amount of games now together. And now you're really seeing the full capability of what they can do. Like I said, like Jimmy's never been better. The offensive line has been playing much, much better. The running game has taken off all of a sudden. We have this added element of like out of nowhere all of a sudden, Debo's become this this running threat now. Um, I do want to talk about that later on in terms of his, his him being a receiving threat too. But Debo's becoming a running threat out of the backfield. And all of this stuff is kind of coming together now. And I think, again, the offensive line is a big reason. Trent Williams, I mean, Hall of Famer, future Hall of Famer. Like, like you said, blue chip player. Lincoln Tomlinson is, is having quietly having a Pro Bowl season. Mm-hmm. Alex Mack with... You know, with the exception of like the sweaty ass stuff, like and <laughs> dropping snaps and things like that, like he's been having a really, really solid campaign too. And I think that really this group has been unheralded. We only really real- realize that they're there when they make mes- mistakes, but they've been playing much, much better in recent weeks, and it shows. And it's no secret out that they're winning because of it. Yeah, I don't think it's a secret either that they're winning with George Kittle being a focal point again. And I'm I'm so glad to see it because I, I think it's almost like they forgot about him early in the season before he got hurt really seemed that way because they were keeping in the block or, or whatever, but he's been a monster again, just, just a monster, not only statistically, which, which I was got 400 yards the last three games or something ridiculous like that, but mm. also just in terms of like when he's making these clutch catches, tough catches, he's just been absolutely outstanding. He's up to 850 yards. If he gets another 150 yards in the last three games, um, him and Debo Samuel will each have a thousand. It'll be the first duo and for the 49ers to have a thousand receiving yards since rice and owens in 1998 kittle's got is averaging 69.2 yards per game for his career only owens and rice have rice and owens have more than him that's insane like it's insane what you're seeing him doing he is an all-time 49er he's only 13 yards now behind roger craig for 10th all time on the 49ers receiving less than receiving yards that's special special dude we got going on there really special guy and he's upped his game and it's it's when the Niners needed Kittle and when the Niners needed Bosa, when it seems like every time they need to play, those guys are right there. They're special players. You see it week in and week out. Even even in the Cincinnati game, Kittle ha- makes a, a, a game saving clutch catch, and then right. Bosa makes a sack. You know, to hold Cincinnati to three points. He's mm-hmm. he's insane. These these guys are week in and week out making huge plays. And I I just I don't think it's a coincidence the resurgence of Kittle and the Niners winning streak. I don't, I don't think at all. 
I think they re- rediscovered their best player. I do think he's their all-around best offensive player. I think they've rediscovered him and, and, and it's helping the team tremendously. Yeah, and remember in the offseason, this is, this is why offseason headlines are just stupid and useless and a lot of that talk is, is just banter. Uh, but definitely listen to our podcast in the offseason because that's not banter. You will get quality <laughs> content from us all year, all year round, all 12 months out of the year. But that being said, like people were talking about Kittle and getting rid of him in the offseason, trading him for XYZ player, including him in a, in a Matthew Stafford trade or something like that. And it just, it just goes to show you how silly this stuff is, Al. Like Kittle's always been the same guy, right? Like we know who George Kittle is. I mean, this is, this is, this is what we've seen from him year in and year out before he got, before, you know, he got hurt last year and, and the, mm-hmm. the early part of this year. But I think that now with him being able to be a focal point, a lot of the pressure has been alle- alleviated from Debo and Ayuk as well. They're also starting to come alive too. You see them becoming a larger part of the game plan. And again, this is kind of what I envisioned this offense to look like at the beginning of the season, right? With, except with the exception of Mostert being in there. With the running game kind of humming along, Jimmy being efficient, not carrying the load, but being efficient, uh, Kittle and Debo getting their opportunities, and IU kind of being sprinkled in as well, and just like multiple ways that they can, they can beat you. And they were lacking that balance before. It was mostly just like, all right, we're just going to rely on Debo and Ayuk's an afterthought, or Kittle's going to stay in the block and we're not going to really hit him. But now it's like they found a balance. They found a way to get in the ball and it's, it's working. You know, like there were so many games in the past, Al, like where we've seen them rely overly on Kittle and they, they haven't been able to win. The offense is kind of stalled. I remember seeing one, one instance in 2019, that Atlanta game that I mentioned earlier, he was targeted like 17 times in that game, 17 or 18 times on like, you know, just the mid twenties pass attempts. And he had 14 catches that game, but nobody had more than like three after that. And they ended up losing the game because they couldn't mm-hmm. move the ball enough. So I think that they've been able to achieve being able to get him involved and get him big, big catches and big moments. Like there was one play out uh, where the Niners were backed up near, the, near their own goal line and Jimmy hit Kittle on, the, on just like a little nothing screen. He turned it into a, like a, you know, like a 25 yard gain. And all of a sudden you're out from right. the shadow of your own goal post, right? It's not just the catches that he's making. He's also making catches in the red zone and scoring touchdowns in the red zone. Just one of the things that you had mentioned many times uh, was lacking in his game. And it seems like now, finally, it seems like he's been able to take the next step in his career if that was possible, right? Because he was already so good. But be able to kind of round everything out to be able to dominate games like we thought he would uh, in, in earlier in his career. So Kittle, I, I can't say enough good things about him. Bosa, man. I mean, again, another one of the guys that people wanted to talk about trading in the offseason, like, oh, maybe we can trade him. Like he is, Nick Bosa is one-on-one. He is the best pass rusher in this league. And I know that statistics may not tell you that, but the fact that he's, I mean, he's been able to put up 15 sacks being held like 75% of the time to me is it's unbelievable. And now we talked about it earlier in the season. I said that he had a, a very quiet, like, you know, eight to nine sack season at that point. Uh, because he was making sacks at, at times where it wasn't necessarily like a big moment. He's completely changed that. Mm-hmm. And almost every single one of his sacks and big plays has come in a big moment when they needed it. And again, coming down the wire, playoff run, your stars are performing, right? That's what you need. I know they don't have a defensive MVP award. You know, it's defensive player of the year. But if you added, if you did have a most valuable player on defense, uh, I mean, he's right up there. Yeah. I mean, if you really yeah. watch the Niners week in and week out, if what he does, the plays he makes, the attention he gets, what he opens up for other people. I, I don't, I don't see how he couldn't be right up there with it. And he should be up there for defensive player of the year too, you know, with Parsons and Watt and those, those other guys. Bosa should be right there too. He's, he's been absolutely sensational. Um, and comeback player of the year too. 
Oh, he should have that hands down. Yeah, hands down. He's yeah. he's been mm-hmm. a just a game changing, franchise changing player. He re- he mm-hmm. really has been. Um, you you know, look, we talk about <laughs> the injuries and everything. You know, when Nick Bosa has been on the field, you know, what 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 are the, what's the the defensive end wins? <laughs> What's the defensive yeah. end win total for, you know, when Nick Bosa is on the field, um, yep. you know, yep. he's, he's been absolutely sensational. One other stat I wanted to talk about um, Debo, you know, we've been talking about Debo all year. He mm. scored his 12th TD of the season, which is a lot. Um, only four 49ers players have scored 14 or more in a, in a season in team history. Rice, Owens, Craig, and uh, Alan Beals, who played in the 40s. So with three games left, Debo's got a good shot to be the fifth player in franchise history to score 14 TDs. Uh, Vernon Davis had 13 a couple times. You know, he was close. But, yep. you know, what Debo's doing is kind of just just a jack-of-all-trades type of weapon has been amazing. And, you know, he has yeah, he has had an injury, and I wonder if he hasn't been so much involved in the receiving game, but maybe because of his injury. I don't know. But he's running the ball a lot, so who knows? Um but I, I just like the way their offense is flowing right now with Kittle kind of being more of the focal point and then Ayuk and Debo contributing to and then Debo in the more in the running game. You just have these three guys in the passing game that are studs. And the Niners haven't had one guy in the passing game who was a stud for you know most of the 2000s, let alone three. So to mm-hmm. have these three players just come in, you know, Ayuk has really turned around the second half of the season. Um, and Debo and Kittle are obviously fantastic. Just to have those weapons right now is awesome to watch. I can't say enough about Debo. and. When they when we talk about what the the I guess prototype of you know receiver is going to be like it's it's so different than what Debo's skill set is and when he was drafted there were so many reports that said like oh he's built more like a running back and all this stuff but you know he has to he's he's got to lose some weight and last year he came in a little bit heavier than he was that he's supposed to be and he, he rededicated himself but the way that he plays like he plays like a running back when he's when he's receiving the ball <laughs> the, the the pass. That Jimmy threw him that quick slant that he caught around the goal line, where he where he knocked out the the mouth guard of the defender, the Falcons defender, right, right just like yeah. just trucking him. I mean, that is quintessential Debo right there, right? That that's what he's all about. He's he's mm-hmm. a tough guy to bring down. He plays physical. He doesn't mind getting hit. He doesn't mind dishing him out either. And I think that for the 49ers, that's what their identity is right now, right? Like if if there is one player that embodied what the 49ers are all about. It's it's probably Debo to me and Kittle obviously right but but probably Debo to me because he's a guy that is willing to make those sorts of things like you know, downfield blocks and things like that like those sorts of sacrifices right and be able to pick up in the run game and I do think Al he, that injury is kind of hampering him and he is on a pitch count it seems like um, because yeah. again like why why wouldn't you get in the ball more in the passing game right it makes no sense so I think he is on a pitch count uh, seven rushing touchdowns this year right Al I believe I think so yeah I think it's five receiving seven rushing yeah. Which is incredible. Yeah, some rushing touchdowns. <laughs> kind of funny because t- I think Tannehill has like seven as well, which is really funny for a quarterback. But yeah, so he yeah, has he has just, by far the most. You you mentioned about them representing the 49ers. Right now the 49ers are just a physical punch you in the mouth type team, right? Mm-hmm. And guys mm-hmm. like like Kittle and Debo who go out in the field and and lead by example. And that's what I think saying, you know, let's talk about some playoff scenarios here. That's what I think is leading them into this this playoff surge as well is just the physicality and look, man, I mean, I don't want to jinx anything, but it's going to be a major collapse if they don't get in because you're going to beat the Texans. I, I mean, you're going to beat the Texans. And then this tough turnaround on a Thursday night, even though Tennessee isn't playing well, then the Rams game, who knows? I know they have the Rams number, but the Rams are a good team. And if they need that game, that's certainly not an easy one, but I, mm-hmm. I, I you got to think at nine and eight or 
they're fine, right? I mean, yeah. nine and eight gets them in, doesn't it? At least in the seventh spot. What do you what do you think so? So that New Orleans game, it's kind of funny because I've been driving myself crazy all day today trying to figure this out. I'm like, okay, I need somebody to explain this to me like I'm five, okay? All the scenarios and all the probabilities. But so that Saints game hurt them a little bit because what's going to happen is that if they're right now, they, they're sitting at eight and six. Uh, Philadelphia plays Washington football team. Philadelphia is at six and seven. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, we're recording on a Monday. Yeah, they're six and seven right now. They play on a Tuesday. Yeah, so they're yeah. six and seven right now. So, and then the Saints are at seven and seven, I believe, right after the, after that win against uh, uh, against Tampa Bay. Right. So, if there's a three way tie, the way that I understand it, the way that NFL rules are, is that if there's a three way tie between three opponents that have not played each other, that are not in the same division, um, it goes to and and there's no clear winner amongst those three it goes to uh, a tiebreaker in terms of like what they have done within their own divisions. And then okay. after that, it goes to conference. And after that, you have all the other tiebreakers. As we know, the 49ers have only won one game in their division this year so far. Uh, mm-hmm. They only have one game left against the Rams. So even if they win that game, they're going to lose that divisional tiebreaker. However, here's, here's the caveat. If the Saints pull ahead at all, and if the Niners end up tying with the Eagles, at the end of the season, the Niners will get the playoff spot. They'll get the seventh and final playoff spot as a result of the tiebreaker that they had head-to-head. Okay. So you're probably not going to get a three-way tie. Number one, Philadelphia has Dallas the last game of the year. And I think Dallas at that point, they may or may not be playing for home field. So they're, they're going to have something to play for. Awesome. And yeah. uh, the Saints are rolling with Taysom Hill the rest of the year. Who, I mean, he's. I don't see them running the table with him. Like they've got... They've got Atlanta, Carolina, and gosh, who else? Dolphins, uh, Dolphins Miami. And, and yeah. all three of those teams can beat them. Oh, I don't think Couldn't so. <laughs> I think Atlanta's garbage. I, I think, think Atlanta Panthers can beat the Panthers are garbage. With Taysom Hill? With Taysom Hill? Come on. Yeah, man. I think with that defense, I, 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 look, look, Taysom Hill, I, I think it's terrible. But no, I think, I think they could beat both those teams with, with how good their defense is. Um, and the Dolphins, I know the Dolphins are hot, but. The Dolphins is the Dolphins game is a toss up. I think I think Miami I think Miami should probably be able to beat them. But regardless, right? We'll we'll just remove the Saints out of the equation. And assume that like okay, fine, they run the table. So now you have the 49ers who are sitting right now at eight and six. They for sure need one more win for sure. Like you are not oh, going to get in at eight nine, right? right? We know right. this. So they have to be nine at the very least nine and nine and eight, right? You've got Tennessee this week, a bruised and battered Tennessee team. No Derrick Henry, no Julio Jones, no AJ Brown. Ryan Tannehill has been looking very shaky lately. So you have it. You have a chance here to to steal one. If they get is to ten, Julio, they'll, is Julio they'll out again? Did yeah, he that's, come back? That's what I'm hearing. Oh, that's he got hurt again. He may not play. Yeah, yeah, he, he might be done. May not play. So if they can steal one here, Al, and and if they can get to ten, ten will get you in for sure. We know this. Okay, ten will get you in. But yeah, yeah. If they end up losing more than one, at least uh, out of these last. Uh, three games, then at that point you have to hope that Philly loses more than one as well. Um, I think that Philly will lose to Dallas. They've got Washington football team twice and the Giants as well. Giants are going to beat the Giants are terrible. Washington football team they're playing with like half a team because of COVID um, yeah. this week. Um, so I don't think they're going to be, be able to beat Philly now. Um, but then they have that second game as well, and we all we all know Washington football team is also fine for a playoff spot too. So yeah. again, the the whatever the the predictor percentage whatever it is that people use to uh, predict playoff probability they were niners were at 89 percent before that saints win last night they went down to 80 percent 
after that win. So it's still like they're still almost a lock to make the playoffs, but we'll have to see where they fall in seeding. And again, the Rams are playing Seattle as well, so the the number five seed is not out of reach as well, right? Like if if the if Seattle can pull something off, um, you know, then then we'll see. But I do also want to point out, Al, that if the Niners either lose out or lose more than one game, if they lose two and Seattle wins out and Philly ends up losing out, <laughs> guess who's in the playoffs? So I want Seattle out. Like, I don't really care about the five seed right now. I just want Seattle out. I think the Niners will make it regardless. The five seed is not a huge deal to me. You're going on the road no matter what. It doesn't matter to me. Um, and it's a crazy year in the NFL. Any team can win. So just make the tournament. All right, let's let's go the other end. I'm with you. I always think like what can go wrong, but let's go the other end of the spectrum. Let's see if the Niners can win the division. Let's go really? there right now. Yeah, let's go there. Let's see. They run the table. They finish 11 and six. Okay, for okay. argument's sake. The Cardinals who looked awful, awful, lost to the Lions. Mm-hmm. They look like they're reeling. They've lost two games in a row. They have the Colts, the Cowboys, and the Seahawks. Ooh. All tough games. So let's say they just go full Cliff Kingsbury and just like they did last year and they just lose out. Okay. So they're 10 and 7. 10 and 7. Okay. Okay. What are the Rams? Let's look at the Rams schedule. Hold on. I got to pull it up here. Rams got the Niners, 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 Seattle, and somebody else. They have the Niners, the Ravens, the Vikings, who can, right? You never know. Mm -hmm. And the Seahawks, which is a division game. You never know. And the Rams are what? Nine and four? Yeah. And the Niners, if the Niners beat them, the Rams, let's say the Rams lose to the Ravens and the Niners, right? That puts them at 11 and six. Niners mm-hmm. have the tiebreaker. Niners win the division. You heard it here first. <laughs> you heard it here first. Dude. I okay. just, I just okay. found a path to the Niners winning okay. the division. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, right now, I'm going to make the Russell Wilson avatar bet. I'm going to make my profile pick or Russell Wilson profile pick. I'm going to make Russell Wilson my profile pick for... The uh, duration of the entire time the 49ers are in the playoffs, if they win the division, Russell Wilson will be my pro. I'll choose the pick. I've been, but I'll make the bet. I was so negative like eight weeks ago. Now I'm like, we're winning the division. <laughs> They're going to win the division. <laughs> I, I have like, decided. So you're back then. You're back then. I've decided. Sure. The Rams are going to lose. Yeah, the Rams are going to finish. The Rams are going to lose one game of the next three. Uh-huh. Right? Because they're nine and four, the Rams, right? Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They're going to lose one of the games. They're going to go into it. It's going to be a big week 17 game. It'll get moved to Sunday night. They have a Sunday night game that day. Yeah. They're going to move to Sunday night and the Niners are going to win the division. It's going to happen. Mark it down. <laughs> you What's know what's today? funny is that I guess my Christmas present to the listeners. It is. It is. As of the recording of the show, Monday, December 20th. It's funny because we're not supposed to be doing that, telling people today, but yeah, it's Monday, December 20th. <laughs> Merry, Merry Christmas, 49ers fans. Yeah. I can't, I mean, it's funny because I can see Arizona crapping out and losing, just like tanking mm-hmm. and losing all those games because all those teams are playing better than Arizona right now. They are. So, and the Rams I, I just got to lose see. one, just one game. And the Niners got to win them all. A beat up yeah. Tennessee team, a terrible Houston team, then you win the division against the Rams. Going to happen. Wow. I Gonna mean, I, I think so. I think they can get to 10. I think they can get to 10. I don't know if they can get to 11. You need 11, right? 11 and 11 6 to win the division. <laughs> 11 and 6. Back on the whole, back on the bandwagon baby. All right. Back on the bandwagon. Like, before we do game balls and um whatever the hell else we do, predictions. Um want to talk about two league things, okay? The first is analytics, the second is the refs. Actually, the first is the refs, the second is analytics. The call on Arden Key in this game 
was atrocious. And look, we can sit here. There's terrible calls in every single game. The roughing the passer calls are ridiculous. I understand if you hit somebody in the head, it is what it is. But the falling on the quarterback, like when you tackle somebody, as long as you're not body slamming the guy and putting all your weight and driving him into the ground, can't help it if you tackle someone. The calls week in and week out are terrible. The officiating is terrible. Everyone knows it. Why is there no accountability? Why is there no accountability for these officials who are costing team games, who are hurting the product? This is a billion-dollar product. They're hurting the product. The Thanksgiving game with the Cowboys and um, who they play? The Raiders, right? Like, it might have been like the most watched game of the year or something, right? They threw like 30 flags in that game. That's the product you want out there when the, when the world is watching? Yeah. The refs are ruining the game. And look, I know it's really fast, but what are you calling ticky? Let people play. You're calling this ticky tack stuff. It looks like they don't even know what they're looking at. And I don't understand how there's no accountability. There has to be some kind of, some kind of accountability. I, I can't imagine that it's hard. I, I would think people would want to do that, right? Like it's a cool job. Do they not have enough applicants? Like, I don't understand. Like get rid of these guys. If there's a crew that is calling consistently 20, 25 flags a game, that's an issue. Address it. The NFL needs to figure this out. Where is the accountability? I, you're, no one's ever going to be happy with officiating or umpiring or anything. There's always going to be issues, right? There's a human element, sure. But this is beyond the human element. This is, this is flat out incompetence. I don't, understand where, I don't understand what the breaking point is. I don't understand when the NFL says we have a problem. And I don't understand why there cannot be accountability in this. It just it frustrates the hell out of me. That Arden key play was so bad, Al. That was so bad. It's like there is nothing. And did you see the next time that he hit Matt Ryan in a similar way? It was a similar situation where they were kind of down uh, near the goal line. It was towards, towards the end of the game, so they were going for a fourth down. And in, and he was they were down there, and Arden Key kind of had a shot at Matt Ryan's back, and he hit him. And I mean, those are the people at home. You can't see what I'm doing right now, but my hands are up like this, right? Like you know, my hands are up like this. He he did this as he was falling. To, to, to brace his fall. So you have 300 pounds falling on your wrists, basically, to, to, to brace right. your fall. It's dangerous just, like, for him. I, exactly. It's dangerous for the defenders. Like, I, I don't understand. And people who, who like to try to compare eras, like, don't you dare try to compare, like, Joe Montana's era to this era, all right? Let's, let's not even go there, right? Like, Montana missed three full seasons, basically, worth of games because he was getting killed by right. hits that, were, that, that would get a guy suspended for half the season right now. So. You know, it, when it comes down to it, like the game is being, and Al, I think the the root cause here, because the refs are just a symptom of the problem, right? And I think the actual problem here is they are told to call the game a certain way by the league, right? The league is run by the owners. The owners want safety for their quarterbacks because they're the ones that dish out all these, like, you know, Jimmy's getting 25 mil, right? Like they're dishing out, you know, 25, 30 mil to a guy to play football and put butts in the seats and sell tickets and not being street clothes on the sideline because he took he took a hit from a defender. So I'm not and I'm not defending this at all. I'm just saying this this is the business side of it, right? Mm-hmm. And this is kind of what's precipitated all of this, you know, protecting quarterback stuff. Like the defenders literally you can't hit him, hit him in the head, which I agree with. Okay, fine, you can't hit him in the head. Can't go low on him anymore, right? Because of the Brady rule and or slash Carson Carson Palmer rule. And now you can't like land on them. And I just think it's so you know, we've seen we've seen it like, yes, like remember in t- 2007, like Rocky Bernard, like, you know, put all of his body weight on Alex Smith's shoulder and and basically wrecked the guy's shoulder. Right. For the right. majority of his career, he was his arm was never the same after that. But 
yes, that, that sort of thing is egregious. Yes. They're trying to hurt them. I agree with that, but like, come on, man, like we can't have it so that defenders can't even breathe on a quarterback right. or a defender can't even breathe on a receiver. And to me, it's like those sorts of calls that they make during the season. And then you get to the Super Bowl where like, you know, Jimmy's taking shots to the head and Bosa's being held like crazy. And all of a sudden, like you swallow your flags for the biggest game of the year because you don't want to be a part of it yet all season long. You're a big part of all the games. Like it just doesn't make any sense to me. Their interaction and the way that NFL officiating is is positioned in the NFL, it just doesn't make sense to me. And it is, Al, yes, I agree. It is ruining the game. It slows it down. It sucks when you have a big play and you're having to like look on the field to see if there's any flags. Right. And it just takes away from the excitement. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like, you know, Jimmy throws a, a touchdown pass at the end of the game and we're having to wait for like a review or a flag or, you know, at the end of the game against Cincinnati and we're having to wait for that. And it's like, all right, like, you know, you can really celebrate right away. So they're the most popular sport right now because of the way that they're, you know, because of the way that they're run. But they're also unpopular because of the way that they're run. <laughs> that makes any sense. Frustrating. It's frustrating. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the other thing I want to hit on is. All right. Analytics. I think analytics is good when it's a part of your approach because the game is a heartbeat. Any game is a heartbeat. There's a human element. And I think relying on analytics is, is good. Relying on them solely is idiotic. That That is my opinion. And we've seen it in baseball. I think it's ruined baseball personally. But now we're starting to see things in the NFL that to me don't make any freaking sense. You cannot make decisions based on a sheet of paper or mass statistics. You got to look at the flow of the game and momentum and, and that, all that as well. All that has to be taken into account. And I'll give you two examples. The Thursday night game with the, Charger, the Chargers game in the Chiefs. The Chargers went, I think, on four, fourth down, three fourth downs that cost them. They didn't get any of them. It cost them nine points. If they even take one of those field goals, they probably win the game. And if you want to say, okay, the first drive of the game, we're going to go for it on fourth down. Fine. I guess so. At the end of the half, when you're up, I think it was 14 to 10 and you got, take the points, dude, take the points. You know, when you keep doing that over and over and over again, and you're not paying attention to the flow of the game and, and, and the specifics of what's going on in that particular game, it's crazy. And I think Brandon Staley's done a good job this year, but if he's going to coach like that, I think it's stupid. And John Harbaugh, who, listen, John Harbaugh might go to the Hall of Fame. He's a terrific head coach. He won a Super Bowl. He's, you know, he's a great head coach. But he's lost two games now because he didn't tie the game. He's trying to go for two at the end of the game. You have the best kicker maybe in the history of football. I mean, Ed Vinatieri has had the best career. But you're talking about talent-wise. Justin Tucker may be the best kicker we've ever seen. Right. You have that weapon in your back pocket. This Sunday, you had all the momentum. You know, you're, you have a good defense. You're, you're going for two? And the same thing, I think it was against the Steelers. Was it last week he did the same thing or two weeks ago? Whatever it was. Yeah. Tie the game, man. Trust your defense. You get the ball back again. You can at least go up by three because your kicker can kick a 60-yarder. Like, what Mm -hmm. the hell are you doing? So, again, if you want to use analytics as part of your approach, good, you should. If you use it as your whole approach, you're an idiot. That's just the way I feel about it. It's just – it's so stupid. Yeah, you see some of the, some of the guys on um, you know some of the old school guys talking about it too, and I think Peter Schrager might have been talking about it too on Good Morning Football. People are starting to speak out about it a little bit too that it is idiotic, and, and people are like, "What are what are they doing? It doesn't make any sense." And I, I am not on the analytics bandwagon. Part of part of part of what you do fine when you're relying solely on these numbers. I just think it's I think it's idiotic. I think it's stupid. We've had this discussion with in the context of baseball before on how analytics are basically ruining the game of baseball because it's all 
there's no there's no heartbeat anymore to any any baseball games and football is nowhere near that and i think that because there are so few games it's hard to like extrapolate like trends over like a 16 or now 17 game season whereas baseball you have like 162 162 games to do that so uh you can easily find statistical trends and things like that i don't don't think it'll ever be solely analytics of football but i agree like you just like with anything right like just like with going quote unquote by the book or going with your gut or going with what the statistics say like everything should be a supplement to everything else right mm-hmm. there should be no there's no try tested and true way of of being able to do things which is why we have so many supplements and when you lean too heavily on one area it exposes a lot of things right and i think that what coaches are doing now is they see like oh you you know you have to get 2 yards to win the game it's funny because Kyle mentioned that against Seattle, if they had gotten that touchdown, they would have gone for two uh, on, you know, on fourth down that the Sheerfield play, if they got that touchdown there, they would, they probably would have gone for two to try to win the game there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think that there, there are spots where you need to trust the analytics and there are spots where you just need to take your medicine, right? Like Staley could have kicked that field goal against Kansas city and gone up seven and a half. And all of a sudden like, all right, cool. It's a full one score game. And at the end of the game that they, they can't push that to overtime at that point, right? The game's over. And especially against a team like that, like that, that can come back on you with that uh, explosive offense, you have to know your opponent too. Because if it's a game that's just kind of slogging along and, and your defense is dominating and you know that you can hold them, at that point, like it's like, okay, well, I can take this chance and if it doesn't work out, I know that my defense can hold them. But at that point, at the end of the half, Alec, the other team doesn't even have a chance to go back and respond, right? Like I always feel like those are, are important scores because the other team, the opposition doesn't have a chance to go and answer your score that you just made until the second half. And especially like if you get the ball in the second half, you have a chance to kind of double up on scores. And by the way, the 49ers, uh, an interesting stat here, because I know you're all all about the the, the stats after we complain about stats. (laughs) Um, uh, There's only one team that has scored more uh, points at the end of the half this year uh, than the 49ers have at the end of the first half. And I think that's another reason why they're in every single game is because to get those points that teams can't answer to. So again, like, analytics it's a supplement it is not a silver bullet it's not like a a solution that's bulletproof so that's that's my stance on it all right zane game balls and predictions who gets your game ball for this game uh game ball nick bosa man god he's so fun to watch best in my opinion best defensive uh pass best pass rusher in in the league right now gets held on almost every play it doesn't matter he's still in the backfield he had a ton of pressures it's funny how that Max Crosby versus Nick Bosa discussion from Raiders fans just went away, right? <laughs> just gone. It's right. just gone now. It's just a moot point because Nick Bosa has been able to do everything that Max, more than what Max Crosby's done, and he's missed like basically a full year as well. So he's within four sacks out of the of the record that Alden Smith put up, four and a half sacks. Uh, Alden Smith had had nineteen and a half when he was here, um, and Bosa's is he's within a striking distance. It'll be interesting to see if he can get that get a big game and get close or we'll see how many he ends up with, but comeback player of the year for me, if you, if the NFL had a defensive MVP, he'd be the defensive MVP, defensive player of the year, whatever you want to call him. Nick Bosa gets, gets the game all this week. So I was thinking about Bosa. I was thinking about Kittle. Um, I feel like you can give it to those guys constantly. I'm going to combine to Jeff Wilson Jr. You know how much I like Jeff Wilson Jr. 21 carries 115 yards, a touchdown. And his eight starts with the Niners in his career. He's had three 100 yard games. He's had four 90 plus yard games. He runs violent. I think he sets a tone with his running. Um, so I thought he had a really strong game. I think he was, you know, banged up with his knee earlier, and he's starting to come back into his own now. And he is going to be a great one-two punch with Elijah Mitchell. 
going into, again, going into January and in the playoff hunt to have those two guys pounding the ball physical. It's going to be awesome. So I want to give him a game ball. Um, big fan of his. All right, Zane, prediction, prediction, prediction for a Thursday night matchup at Tennessee. Man, this one, this one's going to be juicy because it's a short week. Tennessee did not look good uh, this past weekend against Pittsburgh and a team that really they should have beaten. But I think that Tennessee's just so bang up right now. And God, I, I want so bad for them to win this game because this would be this would make it so much easier for them in the playoff hunt here. And ideally, again, we talked about it last week on the pod uh, when you were, when you weren't here, Al, uh, stepping back for a moment. If the Niners could somehow secure everything before that Rams game, I mean, you said they're going to win the division, so that game will mean something yes. to them, right? Obviously, yes. right? But yep. If they could somehow secure like a playoff spot, and and you know, if the division is out of reach by that point, you may run into a situation where if you have nothing to play for, uh, even if playoff seating is already set for that seventeenth game, you've you've got Trey Lance time, basically the same way that Casey did with Patrick Mahomes. They had already locked up a playoff spot, Alex Smith, and the last game was like meaningless, so they got Patrick Mahomes that one game of of work. And, you know, I'm not saying that's what made Mahomes great, but it was just that extra little bit of work before he got the starting job full-time next year. So I'm hoping that the Niners can win as many games before then to be able to possibly make that a reality so that we can get, get Trey some snaps um, in, in a safe sort of environment. But, man, to, for that to happen, they got to beat Tennessee. And you know what, Al? I think they will beat Tennessee. I really do. Tennessee is so battered and bruised right now. I can't, I can't stop talking about that because health is such a huge deal. And Ryan Tannehill is another one of those guys. He's not going to carry the team. He's not one of those guys that will put the team on their back. He is very much like Jimmy. And a lot of people were talking about like, oh, like, you know, that's kind of like the prototype right now for, for the comparison for Jimmy is, is Tannehill. So if you can force Tannehill into mistakes and if Jimmy plays a clean game, then they'll win. Like if Jimmy turns the ball over a little bit, then yeah, I think it'll be difficult. Al, but I mean, if he, if he doesn't throw any picks, if he doesn't fumble the ball, if he's playing like he played against Atlanta, they win this game. And I think they will win this game. Yeah, they're going to win this game because they're in the division. So this is this is the game <laughs> they're going to win. Um, right. They're going to get to nine and six. Then they're going to beat the Texans at ten and six, and then the Rams and the Niners are going to have the same record. No, wait, the Rams will be eleven and five. The Niners will be ten and six. Then the Niners are going to beat them. Yeah, win the division. You heard it here first, folks. I like it. I like I it. Ever said anything that positive? Or I like crazy, it. Right. Do you, you know dare? Do you dare? Do you dare pin that to your your Twitter your profile page? I'm not going to pin it, but I'm going to tweet it. I'm going to tweet it. Okay. I'm going to tweet it out. I will, I'll, I'm just going to put it out there. I'll retweet, I'll retweet the hell out of that one. Yeah, I don't know if I'm... Um, maybe I'm 60% serious. I don't know. No, you know what? It's going <laughs> to happen. Screw it. It's going to happen. Damn it. <laughs> We're winning the division. All right, Zane. Yes, Merry man. Christmas, buddy. Merry Enjoy Christmas your holidays. to you too, man. Yeah, you too. Talk- you got any plans for the holidays? Um, We're probably going to kind of play it close to the vest again this year, just because of the COVID stuff and everything. We're not doing anything crazy. Yeah. We'll probably just do um stick around here and, you know, just do stuff with like kind of the immediate family. How about you? You going anywhere? Um, possibly we were thinking about going to SoCal because it's been a while just driving down there. But again, COVID, we'll see what, you know, this variant and all that stuff, you know, all yeah. this stuff happens with this and got an unvaccinated toddler, right? So she's not eligible yet. So it's like, well, mm-hmm. we gotta be extra careful because of that. So we'll see, man. Um, but like it's been hopefully we're seeing a lot of 49ers winning winning football over this holiday season. I, I really hope so. Yeah, it'll be a nice Christmas yeah. present uh, to get the win, the win on Thursday, and then go into uh, into the Christmas weekend there with, with with another W. So, all right, guys, we'll see what happens for Zane. This is Al. Thanks for listening. See ya.